As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Quick update before we start the show. Himalaya has extended the 30-day free offer on the Box of Oddities premium channel. Yeah, so if you want to check out the premium content. And support the Box of Oddities in doing so. You can check it out for free for the first 30 days using a new promo code. Promo code BOX. You can find the link on our website, theboxofoddities.com or your Himalaya app. For a limited time. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So yesterday morning we woke up and we both looked at each other and said, God, we, I had the strangest dream last night. Tell, tell us uh, your dream. Mm. So I dreamt that I was going to dance. Uh, it was going to be a one-time thing, uh, kind of like a fulfilling uh, lifelong dream thing mm. where I was going to be stripping. Uh-huh. And uh, I got there and I realized that I hadn't shaved my legs and I was very <laughs> self-conscious about it. So I had to dry shave with a disposable razor and I didn't have my dress that I was going to wear. So they put me in like this, um, what I can only describe as like an older fancy lady uh, going out for a nice night at the buffet kind of dress. In the mid-80s, kind um, of a something like that. frumpy it, type of... It was terrible. Like the kind of dress you often see Jeopardy contestants wearing in the 1980s reruns. Yes, gotcha. but shinier. Okay. And um, so then I got up on stage and I realized they didn't have my music, so I was going to dance to a very specific song, but instead I had to strip to Bohemian Rhapsody. And it was, <laughs> it was very upsetting. It's not how you wanted it to go. Nope, that's not how I wanted that to go. I had a really weird dream i dreamed that um i ran into david letterman at a mechanics shop sure he was working there as a mechanic mm-hmm. he was he was working on my uh, on my dodge ram and uh, he came over and he said now everything looks good but you know i just wanted to let you know paul schaefer has been trying to get a hold of you i hope you don't mind i gave him your number and i'm thinking number one why would paul schaefer want to get a hold of me sure number two why does David Letterman have my number? That's true, too. And and number three, what gives him the right to pass my number out? Well, I think he thought he was doing you a favor. So I said, yeah, that's fine. And sure enough, Paul Schaefer called me. 
And he said, I'd really like to, uh, to be part of the box of oddities. I said, well, we do this between, it's just my wife and I, we, we, no, I just want like, I'll, I'll be your announcer. And I said, no, you know, we, I appreciate that, but we have a guy, mm-hmm. Lindsay, he Lindsay, great. Lindsay Schnebley, the curator, he does a wonderful job. He said, well, let me just introduce the thing in the middle. And I and he kept calling over and over and I had to block him. Oh my gosh. And finally, the, uh, how I got him off our back, mm-hmm. I had to buy Paul Schaefer pancakes. Oh, wow. Yeah. We went to like a Denny's and we, we hashed it out mm-hmm. and uh, he said he wouldn't call anymore. And he wouldn't bug us to do the introduction for the thing in the middle. So, wow. I, we need dream analysis. I think so. We need somebody to come here and straighten us right the hell out, as we say in Maine. <laughs> Only it's more like rate the hell out. Rate straight out. Rate the hell out. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, I go first. Are you ready? I think so. Here we go. I have been wrong before, though. <laughs> <laughs> In 1988, a team of archaeologists from Harvard University were digging in Ashkelon, which is a port city on what is now the shores of Israel's southern Mediterranean coast. Okay. So anyway, after weeks of exploration, and uh, they did a series of test digs, they discover an ancient stone ruin. Ooh. And they quickly recognized it as Roman, and probably a Roman bathhouse. Oh, okay. Okay. There were many. There were many. It was it was kind of a, a social gathering place during the Roman Empire. Politicians, high-ranking business leaders, they would all gather. That's where business was done, in the bathhouses. Yes. If you want to learn more, listen to that episode where we talked about Roman bathhouses. So the archaeologists from Harvard continued their excavation, and they eventually reached the uh, ancient subterranean Roman sewers that were constructed to service the bathhouse. Normally, I would say coming across a sewer is not a great thing, but in this case, yeah, all right. Yeah. Cool. Because, you know, the poop's really old by now. and It's yeah, it's just soil. So they methodically scraped away the soil mm-hmm. uh, from the sewer dig site. Poop soil. They made, um, well, a shocking discovery. They detected that the ancient sewer line had been clogged with refuse. And no, not a fatberg like they have issues with in, uh, in England. Mm-hmm. Have you seen pictures of that? No. The fatberg? I've heard of it, but I've not it's seen pictures. So gross. So they found that it was clogged with refuse, and they're, and they're digging through it, and they examined the refuse. They found... Oh, my gosh. Was this actually Elvis Presley's colon that they were going through? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to tell you, they found uh, the bones of nearly 100 little babies. <gasps> so I doubt it was Elvis's colon. I hope not, anyway. Well, I hope he, was he wasn't. a hungry, hungry man. <laughs> he was indeed, but let's hope he wasn't eating babies. Sure. But yeah, they find nearly... 100 little baby skeletons. They apparently had been murdered and thrown into the sewer. Well, why? First of all, the common method for infant burial uh, at this time was to... Not throwing in the sewer, right? No, no. They would would put them in what were called infant jars. They were pottery vessels that were made for the purpose of interring small children. Oh, okay. But it was really obvious that these bones had been placed there, or had not been placed there during any funerary practice. It was obvious, it was very apparent, they had just been thrown in the sewer with pottery fragments and animal bones and scattered trash. Was it like an all-at-once thing, or were, was it built up over time? 
I mean, did someone just huck a hundred babies in the sewer, or was it like no. one, two, it was, couple here, a couple there? Yeah, it wasn't all at once. Okay. It was it was over a period of of time. Oh my gosh, I may be getting ahead here. They were already deceased when they were put in the sewer, right? Well, we'll get to that. Oh no, oh no. The remains were excavated and brought to the Hebrew University in Jerusalem for further study. They discovered things that even that deepened this mystery even further. The babies appeared to be healthy when they had died, showing no signs of disease. They, they showed no signs of deformities or illness of any kind. None of the babies were more than one week old oh. when they died. So this brings up Roman infanticide. In the Roman Empire, there was no reliable birth control method available. Mm -hmm. So infanticide was commonly practiced to limit family size. If they didn't want a baby, they would kill it. It helped conserve scarce resources and improve the lives of other family member sure. members. Uh, babies at this time in ancient Rome, babies who were six months old or younger were not considered human. Oh, wow. By Roman society. I did not know that. I didn't either. That reminds me of the uh, Bill Hicks quote, you're not a human until you're in my phone book. <laughs> <laughs> so in ancient Rome, if an infant was ill or just unwanted, mm. it was common to uh, not throw them in the sewer, but to abandon it in a practice known as, quote, exposure. Oh, geez. Whereby the gods would determine the child's fate. Oh, okay. They would take the baby out into the countryside and leave it there and say... Have at it, God. Wow. That is really a uh, interesting utilization of faith. There's a forensic anthropologist whose name is uh, Patricia Smith, and she talks about how infanticide, infanticide was widely practiced by ancient Greeks and Romans. It uh, was thought of as the parents' right if they didn't want a child. Usually, they killed the girls. Yeah. Boys were considered more valuable because they were heirs or for support in old age. Mm -hmm. Girls were viewed as burdens, especially if they needed uh, a dowry sure. to marry. That according to um, Professor Patricia Smith. So it was not uncommon for girls to be the victims of infanticide, not so much for boys. In a study that I found online, uh, it was on archaeology.com, of 600 ancient families from Delphi, only six had raised more than one daughter. Oh, wow. Out of 600. Wow. Now, the, I bet you're getting right to this. We'll see. The, the pile of sewer babies. Mm -hmm. Was this m more boy babies than we would think? Well, we're getting to that. Okay, You're sorry. absolutely right. Here's a, an excerpt from a letter written by a Roman man named uh, Hilarion. And this, again, was back during the time that this practice was commonly accepted. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he was going away, and uh, his wife was about to give birth, so he left instructions. He said, I ask and beg you to take good care of our baby son. And as soon as I receive payment, I shall send it up to you. If you are not delivered of a child before I come home, or if it is a boy, keep it. If it is a girl, discard it. And this wasn't thought of as unusual in any way during the, these, uh, these times. Wow. So your question, the pile of sewer babies, mm -hmm. were they mostly female? Well, the mystery deepens because of that. The theory that this was um, just run-of-the-mill infanticide, incorrect. 
Testing determined that the vast majority, over 75% of the remains, were in fact male. The results were rechecked by taking multiple DNA extractions from each bone, mm-hmm. and they obtained the same result every wow. time. So 75%. Now, when you think, you know, 600 families that they researched at that time, only six of them had one, more than one daughter. So the percentage there, you know, obviously I can't do that in my head, but the fact that 75% of yes, these babies- it's significant. It's very significant. So what's going on? Well, they continued to excavate the site. They discovered uh, shards of broken pottery, and on the pottery were erotic scenes depicting various sex acts. In addition, they uncovered a stone tub at what was the entrance to the bathhouse with an inscription on it. It was carved on the side in Greek. It said, enter and enjoy. So the theory that they're putting together here is that the sewer was connected to the bathhouse, but the bathhouse was part of a larger entertainment complex. Right, like a, like a sexy house. It was a brothel. Considering the significant number of male remains, they say it suggests that these infants may have been unwanted offspring of the women who lived there. Although prostitution was a profession that involved both sexes in the Roman world, researchers believe that uh, there would have been much more demand for women, mm. most of who abandoned... Well, especially because you're like killing off most of your girl babies, so... Probably the ratio of boys to girls in just regular sexy time yeah. situations was out and outlandish. So, yeah, it makes sense that there would be more lady sex workers. Were they keeping more of the lady babies yeah. to, to grow sex workers? Yep, that's what they were doing. That's fucking terrible. They were, they were throwing the, quote, excess males into the sewer, simply killed and discarded. They were keeping more women to raise them to be... Wow. Prostitutes, work in the brothels, sex workers, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what they called it back then. I don't know. It was also determined during their research that the remains that they found were from within a 50-year period. Oh, wow. Okay, so you asked if it was all at once. No, but it was within a 50-year period. Sure. For 50 years, this place was a brothel, and that's what they did. They just threw the boy babies, for the most part, right into the sewer. Now, this is not an isolated case. It happened a lot. They have found similar remains at other bathhouses slash brothels since then. Mm. Nor was it limited to ancient Rome. According to allthatsinteresting.com, in 2017, up to 800 babies and children were discovered in a sewer in Ireland near a home for unmarried mothers run by nuns which, according to the article, throws a lot of light on the Irish Catholic Church's troubled past. A state-appointed dig uncovered significant quantities of human remains at the site of St. Mary's House, a home for unmarried mothers and children that was run from 1925 through 1961. Wow. Excavators who have been investigating found a long underground structure that had been divided into 20 chambers, And according to a statement, bodies ranging from premature babies to three years old were found in 17 of these little rooms, up to 800. Subsequent tests suggest that most of the remains date from the 1950s. Wow. Of course, in Ireland, it's, uh, it's known for its strict Catholicism. When they became pregnant outside of marriage, were considered sinners and faced stigma and abuse. Sure. So were their kids. 
One researcher went to a St. Mary's school where some of her peers came from this home. Mm -hmm. Not all of the kids at the school were from this home, but kids from the home did go to the school. And she said that all of the kids that came from the home appeared to be malnourished and they were segregated and kept to one side of the classroom in the school away from everybody else. That's terrible. This information comes from CVLTNation.com, the BBC, NBC, Archaeology.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, and IMGU, IMGUR.com. Imger? Imger? Anyway, that's where that all came from, and uh, great research by, by all of those involved. Sewer babies. And one last parting thought. Did you know that is where the phrase, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, comes from? Well, no, it's not true. I just made that up, but okay. I, I thought it I would be cool. That would have been a great way to end it. it has nothing to do with, with ancient well, Roman sewer babies. Way to try to end this horrific topic on a, a terrible joke. You're welcome. Yeah. Should we do pug snortles? Yeah, okay. we got to make the freaks feel better because Jethro talked about horrible things. <laughs> there you go, Banjo. Thank you. I think we all feel better now. I love the way he smells. Hi, it's Paul Schaefer. Now it's time for That Thing in the Middle on Box of Oddities. Well, that was weird. Um, So the thing in the middle today, insane headlines from news stories coming out of Russia. Number five, Dagestan hosts Sheep Beauty Queen contest. So it's to determine the most beautiful sheep? Yep. Number four, former teacher kills friend who claimed that poetry is not real literature. Oh, by the way, they were drinking. Oh, shocker. Yeah. Number three, world chess president claims he was abducted and aliens invented chess. Number two, naked cheesemakers take selfie in a vat filled with milk. And number one, clairvoyant purchases psychic cat for $84,000. The Box of Oddities with Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, 
if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As curator for the Box of Oddities, I've been instructed by the powers that be to issue this urgent warning. Please pay attention. This is for your own good. We've intercepted chatter confirming that Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth will soon be on the streets and roaming freely among you. This warning is specifically for the people in and around the U.S. cities of San Francisco, California, Boston, Massachusetts, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Nashville, Tennessee. Plans for the Box of Oddities live Halloween tour are in place and will be executed October 16th at Cobb's Comedy Nightclub, San Francisco, October 27th at Laugh Boston in Boston, October 29th at the Comedy Zone, Charlotte, and October 30th at Zany's Comedy Nightclub, Nashville. For tickets and information, go to theboxofoddities.com. The Box of Oddities Live Halloween Tour. Please take all necessary precautions. You're listening to The Box of Oddities. The question is, 
Why? We got an email from Laura. Hi, Kat and Jethro. I just thought I'd share my own story of buying massive amounts of Vaseline and fleet enemas. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so we were talking about Vaseline Alley in Calgary. Mm -hmm. Is she responsible? No, because she's buying fleet enemas as well. Okay, she's not responsible for this. Well, I mean, she could be. Maybe uh, she just puts the fleet enemas on a different street. <laughs> why, why is she buying Vaseline and fleet enemas, he said, with a knowing glance. So, I love buying Vaseline and fleet enemas, and when they're on sale, I've been known to buy them all. Not weird at all. Before you jump to any conclusions, I have a horse, okay? Oh. <laughs> so, the fleet enemas are for my little baby horses that sometimes get constipated right after birth. Nobody wants a constipation constipated baby, so I always have them around. Vaseline is big for constipated horses, and they need lots and lots of Vaseline to lube them out. Uh, Lucky for me, it goes in the mouth and not directly into the butt. Oh, good. I went into the store, bought all the Vaseline and a few fleet enemas for fun, checked out, no problem, no eyes batted. It was the next day when I again cleared out the Vaseline (laughs) and had to ask my same checkout person if they had any more. (laughs) Awkward. I told him it was for a horse. I don't know if he believed me. Or what does that mean exactly? Right. What do you think? Should I wink at him every time I see him? Yes. I vote yes. Yes. Just in case you've cleaned out the pharmacy section of all the Vaseline, make sure you also check the baby section. Thanks, Laura. Pro tip from Laura on (laughs) mass Vaseline purchasing. (laughs) Well done, Laura. All right. It is your turn. I am anxiously awaiting to find out what? you got for me what what you what what you what you got for me what 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 you got for me I had a couple of stories ready to go and I was still debating on which one to go with and after your tremendous bring down party squasher mm, dead sewer baby sewer baby yeah. roller coaster right um I decided to go with this one. Okay. Today we're going to talk about big ass birds. B-A-B. Babs. So a while ago we went on a very quick anniversary trip to Bar Harbor and we saw a bald eagle in a tree mm. and we could get up under the tree so all you could see was like the underside of yeah. we the, saw the bird. The eagle's ass. We did. And I took some video uh, and so later I was showing the the photos to a friend of mine and his response was, Ooh, she thick. (laughs) So I got, I got to thinking about big ass birds. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So the giant Teratorn was an absolutely enormous species of flying bird, which lived in Argentina during the late Miocene. And that was about 6 million years ago. Mm. As of now, it is the largest species of flying bird ever discovered. The largest carnivorous bird was Brontornis, who lived in the Cenozoic era. Um, He was a flightless bird from South America, and he reached a weight of 350 to 400 kilograms. Holy shit. Uh, That's about 770 to 880 pounds. How tall was this thing? About nine feet tall. What? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's nightmare fuel. Right. Uh, the largest bird in the fossil record might be the elephant birds of Madagascar. They uh, have closest living relatives still on Earth uh, in the Kiwi. They exceeded 9.8 feet tall. That's about three meters and about 1,100 pounds. 
Now, you said their their uh, nearest living relative is a kiwi bird. Mm-hmm. Do scientists think that they looked like just like a giant kiwi bird? That's that's my understanding. Whoa. Yeah. Nine, ten feet tall? No big deal. They went extinct about 300 years ago. Only 300 years? Yeah. Wow. So let's talk about birds that are currently with us that we haven't squashed out of uh, living yet. Come on, people. You're not throwing your plastic in the ocean fast enough. <laughs> Oh, Work with me. The Dalmatian pelican. He is among the world's heaviest flying bird species. Um, he's perhaps the world's largest freshwater bird. As with other pelicans and many birds, the males are larger than the females. Their diet's mainly fish. Their core population survives in Russia, but its Mongolian range, uh, the birds are considered critically endangered. So the Dalmatian pelican can be about five feet tall, be about 33 pounds, and have a wingspan of about eight feet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The median weight of this bird is about 25 pounds. It makes it perhaps the world's heaviest flying bird species. So when you think about the length and height of this bird, he's like a birdie-shaped Great Dane. But he weighs a lot less. Wow. Yeah. I think it's because of those hollow bones. Anyway, the wandering albatross. Albatross. He is um, corrosion of conformity. Hey. Um, He is also known as the snowy albatross, the white-winged albatross, or a goonie. So he has some more classy names, and then he's also called a goonie. I didn't realize that an albatross was a goonie bird. I thought that was just like a derogatory comment that you would hear on the playground in fifth grade. (laughs) The albatross is a seabird. He has uh, he hangs out in the Southern Ocean, and um, the wandering albatross was actually the last species of the albatross to be described. For a long time, he was thought to be uh, another species of albatross. Um, they mature uh, sexually around eleven years of age, and when courting, he will spread his wings, wave his head around, and wrap his bill against that of the female while making braying noises, which is kind of sweet, I think. Or creepy. Uh, well, when you think about like what dudes do up in the clubs, um, this is not that bad. That's true. Uh, and then when she accepts him, the pair will mate for life. They will breed every two years, Aww. and they hang out for, together forever. Forever. Yeah, forever. Now, the wandering albatross has the longest wingspan of any living bird, typically ranging from 2.5 to 3.5 meters. That's about 8 foot 3 to 11 feet 6 inches wide. Wow. And here's something interesting. According to Audubon, scientists finally have evidence that frigate birds sleep while flying. So according to this new study, the birds can stay aloft for weeks by power napping for 10-second bursts. That's fascinating. Isn't it? That is. And they can stay aloft for weeks? Weeks. So are these the birds that, that fly across the ocean? They do. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I love them. Okay. The Cory Bustard. Which sounds like an 80s actor. He was one of the lesser known Corys. One of the Corys, yeah. yeah. Uh, arguably the largest flying bird native to Africa. So he is an opportunistic omnivore. Male Cory bustards can be more than twice as heavy as the female. 
And uh, what they do is they breed and then they take off. They play no part in raising the young. They're like, bye. Hmm. Um, in fact, the male Cory Bustard may be the heaviest living animal capable of flight. So he is about 120 to 150 centimeters long. It's about 311 to 4'11". He stands about 71 to 120 centimeters tall. That's about two foot four or three foot 11. And they may have a wingspan of seven foot seven to nine feet wide. Male birds typically weigh between 15 and 40 pounds. Wow, they're stocky. They are beasts. They're beasty little birds. And they kind of look like roadrunners, just on an enormous scale. (laughs) And it's a little creepy. When they fly, they look more like hawks, except for with a real pointy roadrunnery kind of face interesting and then uh and then when they land they kind of pop up like with those long ass legs and it's like what the fuck yeah it's, it sounds intimidating a little bit yeah, yeah paulie wants all your motherfucking crackers <laughs> you know what so the ostrich common ostrich is the largest living bird on earth he is native to africa and usually weighs from 63 to 145 kilograms that's about 139 pounds to two to 320 pounds or as much as like two people that's incredible i know there have been uh exceptional Ostriches reported uh, weighing up to 350 pounds. It's pretty impressive. Uh, male ostriches can get up to six foot 11, uh, nine feet tall. Lady ostriches a little less tall, anywhere from six feet, six foot seven. No big deal. She could be a model. She's got the strut. Right. And of course, you all know what an ostrich looks like. He's not the the most exotic of the birds, but um, certainly sturdy. Now, the emperor penguin. We've all met the emperor penguin. We've seen the movie. Uh, JK, I haven't seen the movie. No, because you, you know you would weep uncontrollably. I was working at a convenience store um, when I was in college and I was actually on the floor. I was stalking the VHS tapes. <laughs> it was DVDs, but whatever. Um, and my friend Stephanie called me and said, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh, pretty good. You know, just working. She was like, hey, have you seen March of the Penguins yet? And I said, no, I haven't. And she was like, do not watch this movie. <laughs> she was looking out for your best interests. Yeah, it was good. Um, so, no, I have not seen that. Uh, combine what I know of myself with mm-hmm. the voice of Morgan Freeman be too uh, much. regarding birds. I can't handle yeah. it. Um, so the emperor penguin is uh, an Antarctic bird. And this is something, I think because you so rarely see certain animals up against things that you know and understand in your brain the size and scale of, mm-hmm. that it's hard to understand how big emperor penguins are. So they can reach 50 plus inches in height. That's almost as tall as my mom. Wow, I didn't know they were that big. Right? Because you don't see them near to other things. They're just, it's just snow and ice and other penguins that are also enormous. Yeah, there's no scale, no reference. Right. If I ran into an emperor penguin, I would, I would 100% think I was hallucinating. Oh, for sure. Hey, look, there's a five-foot penguin. Yeah, I think probably if you ran into an emperor penguin, you would be... 
hallucinating. hallucinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's that's for sure. Yeah. One point in my life, probably. Maybe, you know, whatevs. We, we don't judge here. The emperor penguins can weigh about 100 pounds. Now, when my mom was a small person, uh, before she started having crotch goblins shoot out of her, mm-hmm. um, she weighed about 99 pounds. So think of like pictures that you've seen of my mom when she was young. Yep. Out in the suburbs of Detroit. Yes. Tootling about in her little capri pants and neck scarf, whatever. That's the size of an emperor penguin. But the pictures that I've seen of your mom in her, in her natural environment, there's no scale for reference. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can see how that's, that's yeah. hard to understand. I need to see her standing next to an emperor penguin. <laughs> I think we all need to see that. Everybody needs to see that. Yeah. Uh, emperor penguins are the tallest and heaviest of all living penguin species. And uh, in my mind, the most surprising of this list, because I didn't realize how beefy they were. Incredible. I know. I picture penguins as being like, you know, knee height and not, you know, attack of the 1950s mom. <laughs> Anyway, those are some big-ass birds. Those are some big-ass birds. Faux show. Fascinating. That one that you said that, that uh, it was extinct only 300 years ago that was on Madagascar, that was how tall? Elephant birds. So they were about... They exceeded three meters. So three meters is 9.8 feet. And they were carnivorous? I don't know, but I would assume so. Well, I would think, you know, if they're nine feet tall, they eat whatever they they want. Eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Ain't nobody going to argue. No. With an elephant bird. All right. Well, the. It was a weird combination of stories. It was certainly a weird combination of stories, but one I delighted in. Thank you (laughs) so much for participating in this with us. We will land again on your phone next Monday. We look very much forward to hanging out with you again. Don't forget everything you need to know about the Box of Oddities, whether it's uh, where our our live shows are going to be, how you can buy tickets to those shows, merchandise is available as well, and, of course, your chance to support the Box of Oddities by joining the Order of Freaks and subscribing to the Premium Channel. Thanks to everyone who has, by the way. Yeah. Really kind of, I mean, kind of like, what? Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you're kind of like, what? Right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm... I'm totally that. Okay. Yeah. And one of the main things that we plan to do with uh, support money is to get out on the road more and do more shows. This will help pay for transportation and to get us there and um, hotels and things of that nature. Also, there's a shelter's Amazon wish list that I bought you, that I bought a bunch of stuff on yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, if that if you notice that our bank account is slightly less fluffy than it had been, that's where that went. But I'm totally on board with that. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll see you on Monday. Thanks for hanging out with us. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. 
And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.